Greetings, everyone, and welcome to our 217faith.church service, the church that fits your schedule. Psalm 37 is a wonderful psalm of encouragement and direction, and we want to discover today what does God mean when He says there that He will grant us the desires of our heart. Let's dig into this together. to have you at 217faith.church where we preach a godly biblical perspective, put others first, and live our Christ-like faith in action. We humbly greet you in the name of the Lord and hope that you will hear God's word today and be moved to put your Christian faith to work. It is our hope in this ministry to sow as many seeds as possible so that others may come to know Jesus personally and be activated to serve others all for the glory of God. We'd like to direct you to our website, ministry website, 217faith.church, where you may find previous services and other teachings to aid you in your Christian walk. Also there, you'll see opportunities to put your faith into action. Help us this month to support Global Christian Relief, an organization dedicated to serving persecuted Christians worldwide by bringing God's word to them. Please pray about how you can support this wonderful organization. Give directly on their website and let God lead you to help others. Visit indeed our ministry website, 217faith.church, for more details on putting your faith in action. Our scripture for today comes from the book of Psalms, as we mentioned. We're only going to read the first couple of verses to get started together, right? And so the Word of God says to us, Do not worry about evildoers, nor be envious towards wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herbs. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires and petitions of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do it. He will make your pursuit of right standing with God like the light and your judgment like the sun. Be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for Him and endure yourself to Him. Do not agonize because of Him who prospers in His ways, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Trust in God indeed. In fact, may God grant us understanding as we study His Word today. 
In Middle England, back in the mid-1300s, a poem was written called The Justice of Worthy King uh, to the Emperor, I think I'm saying that right, by Alexander the Macedonian, where the phrase he hoped to have there of his hero's desire was first created, or first credited, if you will. Now, you may have heard it a little differently as it evolved in our English language nowadays, where we hear our heart's desires. Most folks usually mean that they desire something or someone so much that they will do anything to get it. I've had a few heart's desires in my life. The most important one, of course, is my wife. When I first met her, she wasn't my wife then, but I desire in all my heart to be with her. Second, were the desires to go into full-time ministry, which I pursued and still I'm pursuing diligently. Third, of course, were my children. I can't tell you how much my heart desired that I wanted to have a daughter, I wanted to have a son, and we did what we could. But sure enough, God granted our desires. This phrase may be credited to a 700-year-old poem, but the idea in this phrase, of this very phraseology, is found in Scripture. For God so loved the world, we could easily say that God so desired a relationship with his creation that he did whatever it took to make it happen. He delighted, right? Many other scriptures that desires of things and petitions and, of course, a blessing in such a way that ultimately God grants them to those people the desires of their heart. And so in our scripture for today, we read those same words used then now by King David, who wrote a well-known prayer where he acknowledges the goodness of God, his purpose in our lives, and the fact that, that, that when we delight in God's purpose, he will indeed, as David wrote almost 3,000 years ago, sorry, Alexander, uh, God will grant our desires. Who knows, maybe this poet uh, from England, maybe he took his inspiration from Scripture. They, they did a lot of that back in those days. Yet not only was we delight, but also trust, commit, and certainly learn to be still, which is the physical representation of trusting, committing, and indeed delighting in the Lord. So let's break each one of these down individually. But before we do that, what do you think of these desires that the psalmist writes about? Certainly it's not riches. Half the world lives in abstract poverty, including many believers. It is not homes and cars and possessions. Many believers don't even have a roof over their head. Shoot, even Jesus said in the Gospels that the Son of Man did not have a, a place to lay his head. It's not about fame or positions. It's not about recognition or adoration of others. It is truly about wanting the things that God wants for us. You remember how a few weeks ago we mentioned that to be a Christian is to be like Christ, an imitator of Christ? He who was in heaven yet came down to our earth in a vulnerable way as a baby and ultimately died a gruesome death on a Roman cross. He suffered was unfairly treated and lost everything, including his life. Yet Christ was delighted, or delighting, if you will, in doing God's will. And God granted the desires of his heart, which was to bring us salvation. For many of us in the Christian faith, this is difficult to do. We grow uh, comfortable in the things of God and the things that God has blessed us with. We grow complacent here, especially in this country, about our faith not being truly challenged. And we develop an entitlement towards God in our lives rather than living in gratitude and thanksgiving for the many things that He provides. To be like Jesus, this should be a thought that possesses us. Nothing more, nothing less. And so, as we study today, the advice given to us by David, proven advice, 
who struggled through many difficulties in life, yet was committed to living the Father's will for his life. So go back with me together there on Psalm 37, verse 3, where we read, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pastures. David tells us this right after he told us not to worry about evil people getting away basically with murder. Worry about trusting in God and for his will in your life. I would say pray for those who are doing evil that they may repent. But you, you trust in God's plan for your life. In fact, David's son Solomon understood this truth when later on in the process he wrote, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. What did he mean by path? My path? No. God's path. That which now becomes the desires of our heart. Good to know that the son, at least for a while, learned the lessons of the father and is attempting to teach it to his children and to us. I'm speaking about King Solomon. But what does this word mean? In the original Hebrew, the word implies a sense of confidence, right? Hope really where, where, we, where we refuse in someone else or something else. Why right? We put that hope on those things. What sort of things do you put your trust in every day? Uh, Your home, your car, your employment, your friends? All of these things can fall away and fail. But only God will remain. And so if we lose our focus on God and instead look at other things and focus on what others are doing, we can miss on the full benefits of taking refuge and trusting in the Lord. For example, just a few verses later in verse 9, David claims to refrain from anger and to turn from wrath. He says, don't fret. It leads to evil. For evil men will be cut off, he says, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land, for the meek will inherit the land and enjoy the great peace. When we trust, we refrain. We hold back. We hope in God's plan. We enjoy the peace that only He can provide. And in the humility that that is that meekness, Jesus reminds us, as we said a few weeks ago, that we will inherit the earth. We will live out the purpose of God with a great sense of joy and great success. Let's talk then about what it means to delight in something. I've used this illustration before uh, because it's one of my favorite, but I love strawberry ice cream. When I eat it, I absolutely enjoy it. I crave it and I cherish it as I enjoy it. The flavors and the creaminess of the strawberry ice cream, they take away my troubles. They, They help me to forget my worries and they lift me to a great high that no other flavor can do. I know, it's just ice cream, right? But imagine... If I can have such a desire to enjoy ice cream, strawberry ice cream, how much more do you think God wants me to delight in His goodness, His grace, and His peace? To delight in something allows it to, to, to bring you pleasure and joy. What else could you uh, could do that better than when we learn to delight in our Creator's love? For the Scriptures tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God, right? He loves you and me despite you and me. And so once again, the Hebrew meaning behind delight gives us an understanding of something, something pliable, something flexible, something that can be easily influenced. Now, I do remind us a few weeks ago, uh, we warned about allowing ourselves to be influenced by outside forces. Therefore, when I say now about being pliable, I am strictly talking about God's plan. This is part of trusting in Him as well. We choose to allow God, through the indwelling Holy Spirit in us, through the words and the Scriptures, 
to shape us into what He wants us to be. This becomes a delight. But no matter our situation, we will have all the success that we need as we find ourselves in God's purpose. And so once again, King David indicates as much starting in verse 16 of Psalm 37, when he reminds us that better the letter that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken. But the Lord upholds the righteous. He says, the days of the blameless unknown to the Lord and their inheritance will endure forever. We're talking about eternity. In times of disasters, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. He's talking about us. Why is this? Because God's people are called to trust in God. We are expected to respond to His goodness by delighting in His grace. And as a result, David instructs us that the next natural step for us, when we delight, is to trust really and commit ourselves to the Lord. As we repeatedly search uh, for the Hebrew meaning, to commit has a very interesting root meaning. It is a word that is often used to describe something that is, that is rolling or moving away. Imagine a rolling rock going down a hill that is committed to the trajectory, right? Uh, sure, other rocks or trees can influence this course or, or when it stops or in a track or gets stuck. But the idea of rolling down requires a full commitment. The rock can't hit the brakes. It just has to give it all, right? And so when we commit to God's will, we must give it all. In Scripture, Christ warns the church in Laodicea, this is in the book of Revelation, they've become lukewarm in their faith. He says, I wish you would choose one. That particular church, it would seem, had lost its commitment to the truth. They had compromised and began to put their trust in their abilities. Sounds a lot like the world today. Yet God's message was to repent from those things and to return. We commit to many things in our lives, to relationships, to jobs, to projects. My son has this little car, a Mazda Miata. He loves that little car. Every available second he has, he devotes to tweaking and adding and changing and updating. I wonder if he'll ever get it right as far as what he sees in his mind, right? But one thing I know for sure, he is committed to that little car. To make it the best version of that car that that car can be or maybe that he can afford, right? God calls us to be committed to him, to go all in, to start rolling and don't stop and to devote ourselves to his service in the service of others. Trust me, there is no greater return on investment of our time and our efforts than when we help other people for the honor and glory of God. Some writer gives us an example of what God will do as we learn to commit in Him. He says, He will make our righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of our cause like the noonday sun. This means that as we pursue the things of God, righteousness, that God will give us a new beginning like the rising sun. God will shine our efforts for all to see, not so that we can brag, but so that others can be encouraged as to what He's doing in the life of the believer. So once again, David's son, Solomon, applies this in Proverbs 16, verse 3 and 9. When he reminds us to commit our work to the Lord and our plans will succeed. He says, for people plan their path, but the Lord secures their steps. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul exposes on this when he's speaking to the Colossian church, reminds us as well as, that he says, whatever you do, do it from the heart for the Lord and not for the people committing to the will of God. Is what we do for God. How we live our faith. How we bring honor to Him. And not so that others will notice. 
This level of commitment naturally leads us to the most difficult request that God or anyone can make of us. And that is, wait, be still. Psalm 56, uh, we read the most famous of these calls, a psalm that is accredited uh, to the sons of Korah. And I don't want to go down too deep of a rabbit hole, but Korah was the leader of a group of folks that rebelled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Maybe you remember the story. And as a result, God opened the ground and it swallowed them whole because of their disobedience and rebellion. It would seem that some of his family survive, and at this time, with no doubt, the sons of Korah are more than likely still serving some sort of priestly duty, perhaps musicians and worship leaders in the temple. And so when they write Psalm 46, it comes from a deeper understanding of what it means to wait on the Lord. You see, they knew that their ancestors refused to wait for God's timing, and it cost them their lives as they proclaimed God to be, to be the source of their tardiness, right? But yet when we take refuge in the Lord, God's response is simply for us to acknowledge Him, to trust Him, to trust and know that His timing is best. David clearly had heard this teaching before because now he proclaims it in his testimony reflected in Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord. Okay, I check. Uh, delight in His goodness. All right, I got it. Uh, commit to His will. No problem. Uh, now be still. Wait, what? But, but I'm ready. Let's go. Come on, let's go. No, wait. For much of my adult life and Christian journey, I have recognized uh, that I've been in some sort of a series of, of wait and go uh, as God calls me into action. And, and, and usually when he says wait, then he, he releases me to rapid action. And so I believe that my wife and I are now in such a pattern as we anticipate God to release us. While other people out there doing great things, let's say, having fun, living it up, God sometimes calls these people to wait. Not so that we're going to miss out on the wonderful things of the world, but because he has something greater in store for us. And so are you willing to wait and enjoy that rest and that refuge of being still? Perhaps a fate like that of the chorus and his followers awaits us. So I think maybe it's better that we trust and we wait, right? Look how David encourages us next at the beginning of verse 22, Psalm 37. He says, the steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. And God delights in his ways and blesses his path. When we wait upon the Lord, God delights in our obedience and faithfulness. When I fall, I will not be hurled down, says David, because of the Lord is the one who holds my hand and sustains me. He says, I've been young and now I'm old and I have not seen the righteous abandoned or the descendants pleading for bread. He says, I, or I will add to this uh, because God is faithful, right? David continues, all day long he is gracious and lends and his descendants are blessing. You depart from evil and do good, he says, and you will dwell forever. For the Lord delights in justice and does not abandon his faithful ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will in time be cut off. What a wonderful thing. God calls us to delight, and now we learn that he delights in our obedience. David says the righteous will inherit the land and live in it forever. The mouth of the righteous will proclaim wisdom and the tongue will speak justice and truth. The law of God is in his heart. No one of his steps will slip. The wicked lie and wait for the righteous and seek to kill them. But the Lord will not leave him in his hands or let him be condemned when he is judged. Therefore, wait for and expect the Lord and keep his ways. 
and he will exalt you to inherit the land. And in the end, when the wicked are cut off, and you will see this. Now, friends, I do not wish people living in wickedness any harm. Absolutely not. In fact, it is the job of the church to go and to tell them about the goodness of Christ and to bring them the hope of Christ, to expose them in the darkness of their lives to the light of God through the work of grace of the Holy Spirit. Yes, this passage encourages the faithful, but it should motivate us into action because of those who are not yet living according to the righteous plan of God. We don't just make it and go, I made it. No, now that we know the truth, we have to go. So what will we do? As we learn to trust in God, will we tell others of His goodness? As we delight in the Lord, will we share why, why that means to us with the world? As we commit to His will, will we get to work whenever necessary to save the lost, to reach the sinners, to bring them God's mercy of doing everything for the honor of God? Yet we are told to wait and see what God will do. We must move, therefore, in faith, I say, as the Lord leads us. And as we learn to truly trust Him, to know what it means to have and to to learn His desires. For we will be able to do the desires of God. Those things that He already has in store for us as we respond to Him in obedience. And so, Father, we pray. And we ask that you will forgive us for sometimes we just want things right now. Sometimes we think that we know best. Yet to delight in you is to wait for your perfect timing. It is to hope beyond all hope. It is to believe in your promises and to know in full faith that you will do the things you promised to do. Father, I pray that above all, that I may seek to live each day in your will committing to your purpose, sharing your good news with others so that my desires may become your desires. And as I ultimately learn to wait on you, when you do release me, when you release us, your church, into faithful action, that those things I desire to see, intentional ministry, others coming to a saving knowledge of you, a church engaged in the service of your people, that we will see it come to fruition, for it is the very thing that you desire. May it be so, Lord, for your honor and your glory. Delight indeed in our service and grant us your heavenly success. For we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. We are so grateful to have had you join us in our service. And we pray that you will be motivated to put your faith in God into action. So please visit our ministry website, 217faith.church, or as you watch us here on YouTube or Facebook, on Twitter, wherever it is that you're listening to us, please help us to spread the word by liking and sharing, clicking those notification bells. You know how much that helps to get the word out. If you want to support our evangelistic efforts, we uh, would ask you to please access our Patreon account and become a contributor there to enable this ministry. We'll add a link uh, to the description below here in the video. Truly, God's calling in our life humbles us uh, to preach His message of hope and love and invitation. And so we ask you to join us so that together we can surely reach those who are ready to hear a welcoming word of grace from God. So visit our website, 217faith.church. Utilize those resources. We have books and other things available to you there. Uh, You can acquire those wherever books are sold. We truly pray that God will bless your life with the experience of this uh, scripts that we have available there that God has allowed us to put together, all for his honor and his glory. And so until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and protect you. 
May the Lord make His face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift His face to you and grant you peace. So until next time, be assured that God loves you very much. He is faithful and loving, and He will grant us our heart's desires when we learn to desire the things that He already has in store for us. And when we do, then our every answers will be yes. May we desire the things that our God wants for us today. May God bless you.